Hi, I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Danica Brown. And we're biracial unicorns. And I'm not saying we're always right. We're just better informed. Better informed than you. (laughs) That's probably not true. (laughs) No, no. I think that's why I had to say it today, because I think we're both the people who are like, yeah, 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 totally. But, you know, we also could be wrong. Or that's just my opinion. I think... (laughs) I don't know. I feel like you you take being right very seriously because we've talked about this before. You take I being do. right very seriously. <laughs> I will not put things out into the world unless I'm sure that I'm right. So it comes off as as if I'm always right, but it's not that I'm always right. It's just I'm very selective <laughs> with what I put out <laughs> into the world. I think I think that's a good way. It's almost like playing the numbers. Like you're not going to put it out there unless you know you're going to get a hit. Yeah. So I'm also just not a person who processes things out loud. So mm, I think that that works yeah. out well for me. But for Ooh. people who do process out loud, I think it's more difficult. Yeah, I, I think I have to process out loud or else inside just looks like a crazy person working with a bunch of whiteboards and not getting anywhere fast. So, oh, yeah, it's definitely like serial killer tracking <laughs> beautiful mind bulletin boards yeah <laughs> string that's what's happening in my brain yes for sure. <laughs> yes i always tell michael like my brain is a bunch of me in different forms heights background even male form really working hard to keep this whole thing together working frantically to get me information it's not pretty mm. <laughs> I'm really excited about this particular episode today because we often share how much we talk about off mic. Like people don't even realize we probably have whole episodes of goodness before we do and how much we share back and forth of things that we're we're reading and we're watching and we're listening to that are making us really upset because the world is difficult. (laughs) And as Danny says, it all boils down to race. But we thought today we're going to change up format a little bit. And we're going to do on hmm. mic things that we are watching, listening to, and reading. Yes. Yes. We, as most Americans, love our entertainment, our little diversions <laughs> away from this shitstorm world that we live in. So I'm so happy to talk about uh, these things that we're, we're consuming. Uh, I'm a big advocate of creating things, but I think... You also need to consume things to be able to create. So, yeah, I think that's a really good because there's something about inspiration as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's something about consumption as well that, but I think you and I, what I think we both kind of oddly have in common as well is that even in our like our downtime, we're supposed to get like a break from the world. We still consume things that are still part of the thing that we're probably trying to escape from a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like even amongst like my downtime, I'd still would be looking up like articles or books or watching things that are going to pertain to like the show and things that, you know, I care about and concerned for or a serial killer either or I really don't have a lot of range. So. Yeah, there's a lot of that going around these days. A lot of people are so into serial killers. Uh, and me, I'm sorry. I'm so t- I'm so upset, actually, that so many people are into true crime and serial killers. Because <laughs> it's too I'm, cool? It's too it's, cool now? Yes! It, now I have to not like it now because it's becoming mainstream and it's really upsetting. I'm like, no, I was the weirdo who grew up with Murdy Sherrod and Matlock and Perry <laughs> Mason. Like, 
I've done my time. Y'all don't know about Angela Lansbury. Y'all don't know. You need to go back to basics. You don't know about fictional and true crime. So I get really upset about it. A bunch of posers, but that's mm. um, being a little uh, gatekeepy, huh? <laughs> I know. These keys are mine. No one else can have it. <laughs> It's so it's so ridiculous and so childish. So when people are just like, oh, I'm just obsessed. I'm like, no, no, where were you when I needed someone to talk about Dahmer? And y'all were looking crazy at me at the party, huh? Where were y'all at then? But I've, apparently I've just discovered a really deep issue. It's okay. This is therapy, man. Just get it yeah, all out. Thank you. Is this a good transition? Is this a good enough transition to what we're watching <laughs> now that I've just exposed some something quite deep. What? <laughs> yeah. Yep. So we'll start with what we're watching. Yes. Let's please. Let's get off that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For for this topic, it's just we're talking about kind of the visual media, film, mm-hmm. television, documentaries, web series, YouTube channels, whatever it is in that realm. So we'll each share like a thing that we've we've been watching lately. Damika, mm-hmm. do you want to start? What have you sure. been watching? Because actually, I kind of want this is a little little surprise for you, mm-hmm. Danny. And it's a bit older, and it's taken me a while to finally do it. I finally watched Blind Spotting. Yes! Oh my god! <laughs> yes! 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 <laughs> I have finally. I'm like this is. I told you this is my excuse to do all the things. Oh, Damika, you have just warmed my heart so much you don't even know girl this this movie yes i have to to own i have to own this movie now i don't like to own movies it's so i mean first of all i mean i mean obviously david diggs is bae always always david yeah anytime anytime i'm we're ready i won't go any further because i'm a married woman but honestly but it's your talent that's also great (laughs) <laughs> but honestly it's all of it it's the whole it's, package it's with him on, oh mm, any mm, girl it's not <laughs> it's it's a digs cast <laughs> uh, but honestly i, I mean him and uh, it's oh it's so good it is i don't even know how much to go into it because yeah get, give a synopsis for any unicorns listening who haven't seen it all right well we have a uh, course uh uh, the V Diggs and is it Raphael? Is it is it Casal or Casal? Yeah, Casal. Okay, Casal. Uh, so first of all, those two guys have gone way back. They have done improv rap groups together, collaborated on music, but they have taken over a decade to write this movie, Blind Spot, based upon these two lifelong characters, Colin and Miles. They're really great homies. Colin has been in jail for a felony and he's been on the year probation. And this basically this movie takes place within the last three days of his probation. This takes place in uh in Oakland and there's kind of this thing with California about you know gentrification and hipsters but there's this there's this part right that there's the times are changing and being pushed out and they're trying to kind of unearth the Oakland that they know as a little bit more diverse and uh there's themes of gentrification race police brutality black lives matter i mean they have a beautiful tapestry of weaving this into where it doesn't feel like topic 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 but yeah uh, miles is a white guy 
uh, living in Oakland. So you can kind of fill that in. But yeah, it's basically about the last three days of his probation. And I don't I don't want to give too much more away because I really do feel people should. But it's I can't even describe the genre. It's a, a music video, but it's it's poetry. It's like I said, it, it's it's thrilling. It's topical. It's it's so good. It's so, it's so good. Such, it's such a good movie. I'm not like a movie person mm-hmm. generally, but this movie has stuck with me so much. Like literally like four days ago, I was driving home and I was like, I want to watch Blind Spotting. Like I yep. just, I really need to watch that movie again. It's so good. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. And I just dive into it. So the director is Carlos Lopez Estrada. And he it made so much sense when I started to dive into this. He's actually a musical video director, which mm. once you know that it's like, oh, man, I get it. Like the cinematography is is that. But I guess he is supposed to be working with Disney on a, on a film coming up here, which is pretty exciting. I don't I don't know what that's going to be about. But yeah, I am. Um, Oh, I really, really enjoyed it. I hope I want more of that. Like when we're talking about things written and directed and created by by people of color with modern topics that is brought to in a medium that is different and refreshing that that more of that, please. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I there there's so much to love about it. Um in terms of like the the issues and like the social issues that are mm-hmm. hit within the movie but i think one of the biggest biggest things is the relationship mm-hmm. between between the two characters right oh, like so to see good. such an authentic and deep and loving and caring relationship between two men mm-hmm. is so unusual in in entertainment i feel like it is. And the acting is so good. Like, you know, they are friends, but th- this is different. It's just it demands mm-hmm. so much of them. And they are so giving to the chemistry. You buy it. I think that's what makes it like I buy every moment of that. There's nothing of that movie that feels that feels forced. I just feels very, very authentic and from a real place. And I love that it took a while to make as someone who creates. I look at this. I'm like, this, this is a labor of love in time and sweat because they've both been so busy doing every other project in the world. But I, I love it. It was worth the time. Oh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Girl. so good. Created by people of color. I mean, mm-hmm. Rafael Casal is, is a white guy, but he's also a Hispanic white guy. Right. Mm-hmm. So like um, within the movie, I don't think he plays his character that way. Yeah. But I mean, within the narrative and the the writing, that's also something, just another layer to keep in mind, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But girl, what are you watching? I'm less passionate about the movie <laughs> that I, I would like to share. <laughs> and quite honestly, I, I didn't feel very passionate about it after I watched it. But I mm, feel but like... okay. Yeah, I feel like it's an, an important... Oh, and now I feel like I sound stupid, but it feels like an important movie to share, even though it's fluff. (laughs) It is total fluff. So this movie just came out just straight to streaming in February, mid-February, and I watched it pretty much right after it came out. 
somewhat unintentionally. I wasn't like waiting for it, but I saw it. I watched it. So it is the sequel to To All the Boys I've Loved Before. And okay. it is called P.S. I Still Love You. Oh, I did see that come out. Yeah. Yeah. So for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, the original or this the sequel, the original came out last year. The original dealt with a teenager, Laura Jean, who is mixed race. She is Asian and white. Her Asian mother has passed away, her mother of Asian descent. Um, so it's her and her sister being raised by their, their white father. And Laura Jean is kind of academic, kind of shy, kind of that sort of character. When she was younger, had written these love letters to all these boys she had a crush on. Mm-hmm. And her sister decided to mail out these letters <laughs> to these boys like years <laughs> after the fact to try to get her a boyfriend. And then one of the boys, Peter, and her start this like fake relationship, you know, the, this trope we've seen in so many teen movies, like they're pretending to date to make other people jealous or whatever. Um, and then they end up falling for each other and getting together at the end of the movie. Sorry, spoilers for a movie that came out last year. Um, so this, <laughs> this movie, this movie that I, I just watched kind of picked up where that left off and dealt with Laura Jean and Peter starting to date and like a lot of exploration of what that high school romance looks like, figuring out how to be a girlfriend with the added complication of one of the other boys responding to the letter that he received from her. A what? Yeah, John Ambrose. He he responded to this letter, and uh, and then they end up like volunteering together, and it's like you know this love triangle situation. In my opinion, John Ambrose seems so much cooler <laughs> than Peter. <laughs> You're like my two cents. Take it or leave it. <laughs> Hotter. He is like sweeter and smarter. Whatever. Anyways. <laughs> Overall, I found the whole movie, like, I'm not a romantic comedy sort of movie person anyway, so I found it very fluff. But there's some characters I really like in the movie. Kitty, her younger sister, is amazing. I also really love just their relationship. I love the portrayal of two mixed-race girls who look very different from each other as siblings. Mm. They each kind of present a little bit differently, which is cool. I like like the variety of race within the movie. Mm. I guess they're making a third. I think like it's a trilogy of of young adult books. So after the mm. success of the first one, they committed to making a second and third. Pretty much any anything any reviews that I've seen out there in the world are very gushy about this movie i feel less gushy about it but mm. i'm always i'm always there for portrayals of mixed race people in movies particularly yeah. as main as main characters like we never and see love them interests. as main characters and love interests yeah mhm okay well i know we talked about it before sometimes of the mixture of we still want to support things even if it's not our thing, because what are we supposed to do I, when we don't have a lot of representation? Should we still support these things, even if they're not our thing? 
I mean, I'm also a grown ass woman and probably not the target <laughs> audience for this movie. What? <laughs> yeah. As I, much um, teen things I consume. I you know, I would literally that big um was for that. So <laughs> We all have our place. I've heard lots of great things. I I'm, I don't follow her on the main actress. I don't follow her on Instagram, but a lot of other people comment and follow. I just it's exciting to see other races, other mixes, other people just get notoriety and kind of come together. And I that's really exciting to see and seeing the material that they're putting out. And it's a range, and we need range. Yes, I agree. And I think there is something in particular important for it to be directed towards adolescence, because that is such Mm -hmm. a big time of feeling ostracized, regardless of who you are. Mm. Um, So we don't need the extra layer of feeling ostracized because of your race. Exactly. There are two great, I think we would both, would we both recommend ours? I mean, I know we'd both have would you recommend yours for watching? Yeah, I would say you got some time to kill. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Yeah, it's probably a good like palate cleanser if you need something light. Like, yeah, it's you- light. It's you know, it's fluffy. There's, I'm sure there's tears to be had by some people. <laughs> I can't <laughs> by some of you all, you mortals, with your tears. <laughs> So let let's let's go on to what we're listening to. Yeah, Danny, what are you listening to? I want to know well, what's in your ears. Yeah, I would like to highlight an episode of a podcast. Okay, and in particular, this podcast you turned me on to. You told me it was happening. The Brooklyn Nine Nine <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Look at look at that. We were both like just like imprinting on one another. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd listened to the whole run of the Brooklyn Nine-Nine podcast. It was it was pretty great. It was each episode kind of focused on a different season of the television show leading into their most recent season. But I want to really highlight and have you listened to it yet? I haven't finished. But go ahead. Okay. It's okay. Go for it. All right. I want to highlight episode four. I don't know okay. if you're there yet. No, I'm just two. Okay, so episode four is called Truth and Comedy, and it deals with season four, obviously, Mm -hmm. but it specifically focuses on one key episode from season four that's entitled Moo Moo, and I don't know if you remember this episode. It's the episode where Terry encounters racial profiling by a fellow police officer. Ah, so for those of you who may not watch this show, Terry is like the lieutenant, the sergeant. I can't remember ranks. Yeah, sergeant in their precinct. And he is played by Terry Crews. So he's a (laughs) black man. Fairly large. (laughs) Clearly large, like muscular black man who is like the most sensitive, sweet character on the show. <laughs> and i that's something I just really love about the show is characters are free to be like these fully developed things that mm-hmm. aren't stereotypes. They're just who they are. Exactly. Um, and I think that that's really lovely. But anyways, Terry is out looking for his, a blanket that one of his daughters had dropped on a walk or oh, a toy. Yeah. And he... A little cow. 
yeah, he's stopped by a cop who treats him very badly. And the episode is is a little bit heavier than a lot of the episodes dealing with that because he wants to report this police officer. Mm-hmm. And then, like, even he meets with the police officer later and the cop is like, oh, well, you don't look like you should live in that neighborhood. It's a whole thing. Yeah. But I really loved this episode of the podcast because it talked about the impetus for making this episode, the struggle within their world, doing this show as a sitcom, but wanting to address some of these larger issues and how do they strike that balance of comedy mm-hmm. and dealing with issues. Um, and it specifically had Terry Crews sharing a lot of his personal stories about being racially Ooh. targeted and how that impacted his performance in the episode. Mm-hmm. And he was also very upfront and open about how difficult the episode was for him to film. In some ways it was very triggering and it was it was difficult, but he also talked about his own reasons for wanting to do the episode. So it was an unexpectedly heavy half of a podcast mm. um, in, in a podcast about a television show. So I think it's definitely worth an, a listen, definitely if you're into Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but I think mm. there's a lot to take away from it, even if you don't watch the TV show. Uh, I think Terry Crews in himself is <sighs> just amazing. Him. Yeah, I well, really like him. I, I really do. like I'm him. I'm a big, big fan. He's been in the game. He's a hard worker, loves his family. I think he cares for his community. Like I said, even him and himself is really trying to break stereotypes. He mm-hmm. was one of the very first men to really go for the Me Too movement. And he well. talked about his own experiences with the Me Too movement in the episode as well. And, oh, you know, how good. he had his own he had his own Me Too story. And that was mm-hmm. like a big thing um, when he was coming out in support of the Me Too movement and shared his own story. And he got a lot of backlash about it oh, because he he's really he's did. a strong, big man. So for him to talk about being sexually assaulted or sexually harassed is is a big deal. It really is. And I think he, I'm not saying he's a modern black man. I think that when you say that people think or everyone, you know, one's right. a caveman, but to him, I think he's trying to be that example of being in touch with, with your feelings, caring about mental health, still being physically and mentally strong in, into comedy. I, I love, I love what a role model he is. And yeah. I try not to put that much on people because people are flawed. But he's just right. been do- it, he's been doing it for such a long time. I'm like, yes, keep being the person you perceived like you put out to be because I love what I see and I appreciate it yeah. so much. I'm excited for you to listen to that episode and let Ooh. me know what you think, because he also talks about about the journey it's been to get to that point as a person. Mm. And he talks a lot about his wife and how influential his wife was in turning him into this person. Yeah. Which is just like lovely. And just once again shows like behind every fucking woke man is a strong Mm. woman who led him to that. Yeah. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's our show. We, this is why we made our show. So we literally don't have to apologize for saying stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm so stoked. Oh, that is such a good... Yeah, I'm I'm ready. I know what I'm doing this week. My listen is not nearly as uplifting, 
I this, oh no oh I know <laughs> if I say that <laughs> it's I started watching or watching I started listening to it in beginning of January when it came out it is a podcast she is a white woman it's by uh, Nikki Egan but the topic I found really interesting in dealing with issues of race for many la- uh, layers because it's uh, chasing Cosby. Oh, yes. I saw you post about this. I haven't listened to it, but I'm interested in it. (sighs) Danny, if you're going to do it, make sure, you know, we always, when you're doing things that are very heavy, we always talk about practicing self-care afterward. So I thought, oh, it's a six-part series. So, you know, I actually, I would wait so I could have like two put together and so I can do like a good swoop of it. But even listening to two back-to-back without having like a palate cleanser was so much i did not even realize how like i got very emotional Mm. you have a lot of like emotions and tie like to bill cosby i do which i think you've talked about on the show before a little Mm bit i i have my dad didn't have a dad and so my dad's dad was cosby like so i always thought you know even as a young kid, I thought Cosby was my granddad. I really did. My dad would – Cosby Show was always on. I Spy was always on. Leonard Part 6. We listened to his albums crossing countries. Like I, I mean, it was just one of those things that was always there. My dad gave me pep talks and advice that are all from Cosby. I memorized part of his skits. I've done monologues. All, all the things from him. And, of course – as I got older and realized that this has been an ongoing thing and the last decade, it, it is very, very tough, but facts are facts. And no one likes knowing that like someone you idolized is a horror of it. Like he's a monster, but this podcast did such a great job of taking the culmination and making it very concise, organized, facts-driven. Like I said, Nikki Egan has been following this case from the get-go. And what I liked about this is, one, it, the women that have come forward, I think there's about 14 that contribute to this podcast. But in total, there have been 60 women that have come forward. And it is a mixture of women of color. A lot of mixed women as well, a lot of white women as well. But I think just women in general of just putting their story out there, I was Mm. very much supportive of that. And the fact that we're people, especially within the black community, I think sometimes we hold on to our idols, kind of like we were talking about before with the show. We support a show even if it's not great because we don't have that much representation or it might not be our thing. I think sometimes we hang on to our idols because we just don't want them to fall because we don't have that many. This podcast is so important. You you need to listen to it for those who are on the fence and still think people still think and claim his innocence. Really? Yeah. People do? They really really do. And people Ugh. he's had Ugh. one appeal. Yeah, he's had one appeal and it's been turned down. He's working on a second appeal. Uh, and people are still rooting for him. They're saying that he, you know, he's been falsely accused. He's a powerful black man. All the things. It's the same. Even with like R. Kelly, the same thing. Everything's come out. He's at his his television special as well. Uh, and people still claim his innocence. They're still holding on. Like I got you. They can't keep a black man down. And nah, not nah, you. You need to listen to this. You need to hear the voices. You need to hear the facts. You you need to do this. This is important. And for me, this kind of put to bed. It was like mourning. It was like going to a funeral, actually. Mm. Now that I think about it, now that I'm talking about it out loud, it was like going to a funeral and bearing this idea 
and pretty really putting in perspective, we have to be very, very careful who we put up on a pedestal. We shouldn't do it with people. We shouldn't. We shouldn't we put shouldn't anybody on a pedestal. We I mean, really we were shouldn't. just talking about how much we love Terry Crews. Yeah, but, but that's like, what I'm saying. Like, please be the person. Being. Yeah, flawed. And that's what I keep. That's why I'm like, please be the human being that you are portraying to be. Please be that person because we need that person now more than ever because we're losing people left and right who we really respect and admire. So, yeah, it's uh, I don't even I'm not it's it's trigger warning out the wazoo. If you are in a place where you cannot listen to details of assault and, and rape, just just don't or do it with uh, under at least a lot of care. I think they do it in a way that is tasteful. I, I guess for lack of a better word, but like I said, uh, Nikki Egan does it in a way that's really professional. It's really organized. I, I love the way she's put it together, but yeah, it, it was, it was a, I had a memorial for an old, an old idol of mine, but it was, mm. it was so good. I didn't even know I needed to do that. Do you know, it was like closure almost. It felt yeah. really good to have that, but yeah, but I will, I'm going to sneak in another thing I'm listening to, which is actually music to help me. Cleanse the palate of Jason Cosby, and that's uh, Brittany Howard from Alabama Shakes. She is uh, another beautiful biracial unicorn, and um, yeah, her album Jamie. I just I love listening. We don't have loads of mixed women out there making tons of music, so it's really kind of cool to hear her. Especially like she's a little bit more of a genre that I probably would enjoy more. So yeah, that's what I'm listening to. What what is her what is her I haven't listened to her album. Is it like a similar feel to Alabama Shakes? What is it like? I no, I think it's a lot more processed. I think it's a little it's a little I think it's a little darker. It has a little heavier in content. It's a lot pers- a lot more personal. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I don't even know how to describe it. Like you say Alabama Shakes, pretty much people know what they're getting like that old right. gospel kind of Southern rock kind of thing. But I, I I wouldn't put this in that category. So just something to kind of put in your shuffle. <laughs> cool. But uh, what are you listening to these? Oh, no, you already did yours. Duh. I meant, what are you reading? Are we ready? <laughs> I know you, I thought you said you were really excited to tell me what you were reading. Yes. I mean, I am always most excited about talking about books rather than oh, I love that about you. And this book I kind of just happened upon by accident when I was browsing the young adult section <laughs> at the oh, library. Yes. yes, I was so fixing to say, let it be YA. I really was. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> it was such a good book. So the book I'm I want to talk about, it was published last fall. And it is called Slay, and it is by Brittany Morris. So the book is about a 17-year-old girl, Kira. She's an honor student. She, like, tutors her peers. And she's one of, like, three black kids at her high school, um, Mm. Jefferson Academy. And she lives kind of a double life because... She is also the developer of an MMORPG that has hundreds of thousands of players, black Ooh. gamers who like duel on this all black, like virtual reality game. It's essentially like a, a role playing card game. And nobody knows 
that she's the developer of this game. (gasps) Not her friends, not her family, not her boyfriend. And that's a big point of like contention because he feels very strongly that video games are partially responsible for the downfall of the black man in society. It's this whole thing. Yeah. And so... A teen in Kansas City, she's in Seattle, I believe, or outside of Seattle. When a teen in Kansas City is murdered over a dispute in in the game, um, <gasps> Slay, Slay is the name of the game, this game like explodes into mainstream media. And because it is exclusively for Black people and you have to have like an invite code to join it's being labeled as racist exclusionary (sighs) violent a place for thugs and criminals but it's really actually this beautiful game that's about like being celebratory of blackness and someone is like threatening to sue her over anti-white discrimination Mm. it's just like an incredible book for YA for anything yeah it's such a good story and it's so it's she struggles a lot with this idea of being unapologetically black in a world intimidated by blackness um she has a struggle between her her boyfriend who is really big and like decolonizing and reading all these things and her sister who is also very radical in her own right and kind of finding herself amongst all of this. So I think the target audience is black teenage girls. Um, so mm. not me, but I found the book. <laughs> I found the book so good. And I think it also highlights and has this discussion about why it's important for black people mm. and by extension, people of color to have their own spaces and why mm-hmm. that's okay. And there's also, this is a, a spoiler minor spoiler for the, for the book uh her like co-moderator of this game mm-hmm. is this girl who goes by the handle cicada who is in france and it turns out that cicada is biracial and so she mm. also at one point just straight up like tells kira like i'm biracial i'm half black Am I black enough to actually be playing this game? Um, so oh. there's that discussion as well. And and she struggles with like, she's in this world and this game that's so important to her, but it's like something she can't really share with her white mother and why. Mm. And and so like, there's a lot, a lot in this, this book. And it's, I think you Ooh. should read it. I think you would really like it. I was also like all tears at the end. Oh. But the the ending was a little rushed. There, there's like one particular thing that is dealt with towards the end that felt a, a little too inauthentic um, in how quickly they like just work through this. But overall, I would say the book is really good. It's very clear that it's actually written by a black woman who who is a gamer, because I think sometimes books about gaming can feel really obnoxious like they're trying too hard yeah i wouldn't even know how to do that 
Yeah, this one didn't feel that way. And sure, it's a little unlikely. Like a 17-year-old somehow is like developed this whole game and somehow can pay to host it. I don't, it doesn't make sense (laughs) on that front. But overall, (laughs) it's just so good. It was like, Mm. it's just, I finished it probably two weeks ago, a week and a half ago. And I'm still like thinking about it every day. Oh, it sounds super juicy. Yeah. Definitely recommend it. Slay. The author is Brittany Morris. It's her first her first book. Oh, good job, Brittany. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and the cover is so good. It's just this Ooh. beautiful black girl, natural hair, glasses. Love it. Now I have to look up. Now, see, I'm sorry. I have to look up the cover now. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. You're totally right. Yeah. I love it. I mean, the cover is what drew me to it, obviously. Mm. And then I read the description and I'm like, I'm always down for a young adult book. Oh, I'm always down for a young adult book about a person of color. Oh, it's about games too? Cool. (laughs) You're all, girl, my boxes are ticked. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That We'll see. Dang. Now mine is not near. I, I don't know. I'm pretty excited about it. I'm not quite done yet because, well, life. But... A while ago, we talked about putting up suggestions for things not quite as in-depth of this. It was more of a quick fire. We put a book on there that I've been dying to read. It's been on my bookshelf staring at me. It wasn't until my friend had suggested that we read this book together, which I haven't done in freaking ages. Anyway, it's by our other bay, Trevor Noah, which was born a crime. <sighs> yes. Which I, yes. Oh, I, you read it. I'm yeah, I'm reading it currently. I am not quite done. I'm so close. Have you have you awesome. read it? I haven't, but it's on my to read list. See, it was just always on my list and I kept it kept getting bumped down to read other things for other projects. And finally I'm like, I need something I need something else. <laughs> I need something else to read. And you know, freaking Trevor, it is uh I'm really enjoying I as someone who I don't particularly feel very literarily strong I tend to write how I talk which is a hot mess so when I find (laughs) people (laughs) I'm fully aware um but when I meet authors that write how they talk and it comes off with beautiful storytelling it's such a quick read I I'm just there with them I respect that um that's how I felt about Anthony Bourdain and that's how I feel about Trevor Noah he is a comedian who writes like a comedian. Do you know what I mean? They have the setup. Mm-hmm. It's um I don't know, it's like a a skating rink. You know, they they have the two straight sides and they it's on each side's the curve. They have the setup, which you kind of feel like, hey, what's going on? Then they come around a curve, which a really dense truth. Something kind of kind of heavy. And then they kind of unpack it and then they hit you with a comedy, a little joke, a little nod. Something to kind of, you know, you talked about releasing that tension. He's just a really good writer. And the thing is for me, learning about apartheid, you think, oh, that was in South Africa. Uh, it feels so long ago. It just really, apartheid wasn't that long ago, people. It was not long it ago. It was not. You know, when you talk about apartheid to people, they think, oh, it's in the past. And it really wasn't. And hearing about his mixed experience in South Africa, and once again, still having that connection with someone who is mixed in a different way in a different country and still being like, yeah, same. How interesting is that? And talking about what that's like as a, as an entertainer and talking about, you know, 
the disconnection connection with with his father and his mother being religious and just you know and then of course you have it on top of that him being a foreigner coming to america and there's just there's it's just a fun read that has these levels of being able to relate to him as a mixed person so mm-hmm. i'm just in, like i said i don't i don't feel like it's like knocking down any crazy doors they are like i said they're trying to make it into a movie I love how much he respects his mother. Once again, really giving her a lot uh, kudos. I don't know. Do people still say that? I love the support <laughs> and honor he gives his mother uh, mm-hmm. as a black woman during apartheid, raising a mixed son. And just the title itself kind of gives it away of just by him just being born is a crime. And I feel with making the show and talking to the people we have, it's just why create the space? Why talk about, all the arts is because just by simply being born mixed race, even in America where it's been technically legal, you know, to even marry interracially for, you know, a little over 50 years, it's still something that's still quite taboo, but you wear it on your body. You're the evidence of an interaction that some people still don't understand or prove or like. Right. You are this walking rebellion and you have to live life in that. And I think that's that's something that probably most people of color can can relate to. This idea of people look at you and they already have all these feelings and thoughts about your mm. very existence, right? Mm. And I think I think it's it's hard for any person of color, but I think for mixed race people particularly like apartheid, like all this stuff that it's just like another layer, another problem. I think by being mixed race, it's like you aren't only encountering that feeling from the majority culture and from through that lens, but from other people of color as well, because you're not quite in any box. So people have lots of opinions about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard. And I can't imagine where being in a place where it's like literally a crime. It is. Oh, and you just you talk about it. You feel that that tension. Like I said, he's like our age. It's when you try to wrap your mind around it. And once again, that talks about like privilege. Like I'm a privileged American being a mixed person in America and where I can still relate to him on some ways. I have to still acknowledge my own privilege of being like, yeah, things have not been been great. But like you said, literally their their lives are in danger by just being who you are the evidence right. of this crime walking around on two legs just your it's, physical body is yeah. a crime so it's it's good like i said it's just been it's i've been really enjoying it it feels like he's just there telling you this story that's how it's that's how it's written and i really enjoy that kind of style so yeah i mean i i for me it takes forever because i finding time to sit down and read is nearly impossible you could probably go through it like in an afternoon <laughs> I just it's a muscle man the more you yeah. do it mm-hmm. I promise when I don't have to read as many children's books I will be able to have time for for more because now I really want to put your suggestion on there and when I actually went to the bookstore to get a book for my daughter's birthday party that she was going to because I'm that mom that gives books as gifts you're welcome <laughs> there was definitely two books. I'm like, oh, I took pictures of them. I'm like, I have to find those later that are also by women of color telling stories of their lives. I'm like, oh, I love it. 
yes, more of this. So my stack's getting a bit high now, but I'm down. Yeah, it's a good place to be. Mm-hmm. We have been so delightfully pleasant that I would love to ruin that. And I think Ugh. we should probably get, are you ready to ruin this? this? This nice place that we're in and get mad at the internet? I like okay <laughs> let's do it <laughs> <laughs> all right Tamika this this Ugh. is something you sent to me so yeah why don't you give us the the rundown all right I'll give a little some some summary all right so let's 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 take it to Utah everybody oh. For those who don't, no yeah <laughs> So this story came out mid Feb. So it's 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 rare. It's you know fairly newish. I'll, I'll give like the readers digest. Basically, a uh, young lady, an eleven year old, so middle school in American terms in in Utah, going to a school dance and is so stoked about it, super happy about it. Um, do you like school dances, Danny? Did you like? I don't imagine you did. Not really my thing. I like to dance, but I'm not into a school dance. Yeah, so it was a Valentine's Day dance. Uh, basically, the young lady went, and uh, one of the boys asked her to dance. She politely said, no, thank you. And I guess a teacher basically went and said, the principal, I thought it was. Was it the, was the principal? Yes, the principal went and was like, no, no, no. Why don't you kids go? Go out and dance. Um, it, it, it's okay because their school has no, no saying no policy if someone asks you to dance at their school. But this young man who asked her dance kind of made her uncomfortable. She just didn't feel like it. So she came home very, very upset. And her mom went ham. Miss yeah. Alicia. She had plenty to say to her to the school. She went and talked to the school. Um, at first, the school didn't make any comment to it. The, the school's basically hiding underneath this idea of inclusion. Mm -hmm. They're saying that we, we want all the kids and all the dances to have that. And we think it's really nice. And they're saying a lot of other schools have very similar situations and policies. Yeah. So they're like, we handled it in the way that we did and making sure everyone feels comfortable and safe and included. And yeah, and I did read that there actually are a couple of that this is a common thing. Like I don't have a school aged danced aged daughter yet, especially not in America. It's a lot different. I had no clue this was a thing going no. on. I mean, it wasn't when we were young because we're mm -mm. old. Yeah. But it's just so surprising to me in this world, in this moment in which yes. we're living, like yes. we are telling, we're talking about consent. We are talking mm -hmm. about these things. But then in school, kids are not allowed to say no, like about yeah. their own body. I yes. can't imagine. Can you imagine having to dance with somebody who makes you uncomfortable? I guess this boy had publicly said something like, the mother said very disturbing of sexual nature. And she said she wasn't sure if it was true or not that this kid mm -hmm. said this. But it doesn't really matter if the rumors were true or not. The fact that, like, this daughter felt uncomfortable. Like, she shouldn't have to stand up against him with his hands on her if she doesn't want to. So I have 
numerous, numerous problems with this. I guess I'm first, I'm one of those weirdos about having kids dance with each other anyway, because of that very thing of like putting that unnecessary pressure on young kids. Kids just want to like dance in a circle. Like kids just want to get together and just dance and be with music. Like I already feel like a school dance already puts unrealistic, unnecessary expectations for kids. So I'm already like, blah, that already puts a bad taste in my mouth. I get what they're trying to do, especially it takes a lot of courage to go and you're putting yourself out there to ask somebody to dance. You're talking about 11, 12 year olds. I, I, I get that. And to be told no can be quite crushing, especially if it's, if it was reversed, you know, if you were so desperately just trying to be a part of it, if you're a little awkward and you feel like people were being cold and rude. First of all, this girl said she was doing it very politely. But on the other hand, I, I guess in my mind of just teaching people of like, also like, no is no. And you have to accept that. I don't know that I, I just feel like in this particular climate to say for the sake of being nice, because I actually have had that situation happen to me where this guy was very, very awkward and he, he kind of had a crush on me and I didn't really want to. And the teacher said, you know, that would really mean a lot to him and he struggles and you should, you know, I, at that time I didn't know what ADD was like he has ADD and it was the longest three and a half minutes of my entire life. And the rest of the year, he thought that we had a connection and we didn't. And it was a very, it started something I didn't know how to end. And it had that precedent of making that person feel included was more important than me feeling comfortable. Hmm. Like, aren't both feelings yeah. valid? Yeah. It's just like, ugh. Ugh. I understand. Like, like you're saying, I understand that idea of awkward things can be very uncomfortable whatever but also like people are gonna reject you later and like people are gonna reject Girl. everyone may as well learn how to deal with it when you're 11 years old at yes. a school dance like like teaching them how to handle that rejection instead of making people accept them even if they're not comfortable either or or bring back more line dancing which i'm only half right. kidding about like group dances and dance line and dance circles if you're that, if you really want to be that inclusive, just make inclusive dance to where it's yeah. not a one-on-one -on -one dance thing. circle, like dancing near someone. Sure, like yeah. sure. Why didn't the you can make that happen? Yeah. But when I'm talking about like physical forced mm -hmm. physical contact yeah. is really really icky it really is and it, like I said, it could really it starts psychologically putting these things in your mind that your comfort and what you're listening to and what your body's telling you is not as important as somebody else and how they're feeling. That's not something yeah. you want to plant in an 11 year old and a five year old and a 30 year old. It does not matter. So I am right. for, I'm just, I'm really discouraged that the principal couldn't be like, Hey, why doesn't everyone get in a circle and start dancing? If you really wanted to do that, there were other ways of being more inclusive. And I feel like they're just, mm. they're putting once again, the blame and the pressure on the student because it had been reversed I don't know I don't know what it'd be like if it was reversed either way I don't if a girl asked a boy and the boy's like nah thanks it, I, I'm, I'm good like that sucks for her but it's right 
we can't force these people to do something yeah. they don't want to do. Yeah, I feel like in this particular instance, like the gender of either student doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Yes, there is like this sense of like girls have to learn how to say no more so than men or boys because of like rape culture and things like, yes, that that is perhaps a factor in the world. But I think bigger than that, everyone should be able to say no, to learn to say no. Like, I don't think it's tied to just gender. Yep. In this instance, at least. I don't know. I, I hope I hope moving forward, they realize that there are other options to be more inclusive. So Utah, bring back dance circles and line dancing. Look. I mean, Utah, Florida. <laughs> we can do something about this, guys. There are other options outside of someone sucking it up and saying yes. So. Right. Ugh. Especially at 11. 11. Like, girl. <laughs> I couldn't believe it at 11. I mean, it's like we said before, these issues are popping up younger and younger. And it's a Valentine's Day dance. And like I said, even having these dances, I feel like, why are we still having Valentine's Day dances? Is that not enough pressure on kids? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just, ugh, it's just too much. I'm not trying, like, dances are fine. Whatever, have them. That's just an unnecessary amount of, like, romantic pressure at 11. Anyway, um, yeah. I'm starting to sound like an old person. Back in my day, we had a fall harvest and we were happy for it. <laughs> yeah. But. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Let's move on. Yep. Let's leave this world of 11-year-olds at a Valentine's Day dance oh, behind. Gosh, even just saying it as a sentence <laughs> sounds off. Oh. Let's talk about our happy places. Mm. happy place this week, Damika? My happy place is very strange, but it's perfect because it's my happy place this week is a friendship stalker. I what? Yeah, I'll explain. <laughs> so I have a I have a friend of mine who just who started listening to the show a little while ago. And she went from listening to like mm. one or two on her commute back and forth to work. But she's like binging it really hard now, which that's pretty cool that we have that much content. She's really, really nice friend really awesome girl but now she'll message me comment on the show excellent and it's amazing she'll she'll be like oh i've seen home alone too but th- so my friend she's polish she's from poland so mm. which makes it even better because she's like you're teaching me words all the time she goes i didn't know appropriation was a thing so she'll send me like the wikipedia definition she's like is this it or uh black fishing she goes look at me i learned a new word today and i absolutely it brings me so much joy not in a narcissistic way but it's so cool to kind of go back into those episodes again and hear it from someone who is Polish to hear how she's like, I'm really enjoying it or seeing how it relates to her and her interaction between German uh, Germany and Poland and her experience. And she's traveled and taught in India. Like she's such a, you know, now she's here in England and hearing how that still relates and translates like here you and I are talking and it's translating to someone else completely different, like a white girl from Poland. It's so cool. And I love it. And she'll quote something back that we said. I'm like, dang, we're kind of funny. But <laughs> it's, 
it's but she says like hello what's your favorite stalker i have another question or she'll <laughs> I just love it. She's the one I actually want. We're reading Trevor, uh, Trevor Noah together because she likes him as well. So we're reading that and I'm just leaning into to the stalker. But one of the favorite things I thought you would enjoy, we were talking about uh, Fresh Prince in one of our episodes. Yes. And she's just like, yeah, which is really great because we watched it. And I'm like, you guys watched it in Poland? She goes, well, actually, it was in German on our TVs. I go, wait. Whoa. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. The Fresh Prince dubbed in German. And I'm like, I need this in my life right now. Like, right, right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so did you watch some? I haven't. I need to do it. It's on our to-do list. I want to, I need to watch Fresh Prince in dubbed in German now. But it's just one of those things you still think, oh, yeah, people have seen it. But you don't realize the reach of certain media and that exposure and what that might have implanted in people in Poland and in Germany. And so it's just, it's a mind blowing thing. And I think that's the power of podcasting. That's the power of mediums and entertainment. And yeah, I just, it is still, it was delightful to have that connection with someone who has such a different background than me. Yes. Yes. It, it is nice to find those, those points of connection with mm-hmm. someone else. So yeah, a little self-serving maybe, maybe a little selfish, but <laughs> it, it's nice. So that my shout out to my my Polish stalker. <laughs> what up, Polish stalker? Yeah, I'll tell you her name off air because that's her business. Okay. And I should have asked for her permission, but I did say she might be in my happy place one day. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. What is your happy place, my friend? Well, as we are into spring, moving into spring. I am just savoring these last nights of cold air under a warm blanket. Mm, girl. I don't like being cold, but I do love sleeping in a cold room under a warm oh, blanket. Is there anything? This might be your best happy place <laughs> ever. I feel like sometimes, sometimes my happy places are so weird. <laughs> I love it. I, but this is, this is on brand warm socks, warm, yeah. you know, funky print socks. This is soup. This is on yeah. brand. This it is, is so I just good. Like, I like being warm and cozy. Mm, are you a pajama person as well? Like heavy, like formal pajamas or just like t-shirt or nude? I mean, no. you don't have to say either. It's your business. Um, no, I will say I don't like to wear a lot of clothes when I sleep. Mm. So having a warm blanket is important because I feel like you just get like too tied up in fabric. Girl, same. <laughs> like I just I need that that freedom, that movement. <laughs> Do you ever look like during Christmas time, especially people always want to buy like pajamas. Do you ever wonder who are those for? Who are those button-down, full-pants pajamas for? Who are yeah. wearing those? I mean, I like a pair of pajama pants for, like, around the house yes. in the winter. I have And I have, like, a onesie, like a full, long-sleeve, yeah. full-length, <laughs> button-up onesie, um, <laughs> which yes. is nice and cozy. But it's sometimes a bit much for sleeping and then in the morning you have to like unbutton all these buttons and then you're like it's the romper problem you're half Girl. naked going to the bathroom but it's like so fucking cold yeah 
Yeah, whoever created rompers does not care about women (laughs) (laughs) or public restrooms. But I love that. Do you? I low key want to get a weighted blanket, but I don't want to be hot. Yeah, I've heard good things about weighted blankets. I have not tried one, but people are into them. And and evidently, they make some that are not very hot, but still have that weight. But that kind of scares me because I'm like, what material is that made out of? Am I going to burn to my death um, underneath this material? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess if there's a fire to the point of lighting my blanket on fire, I'm already. (laughs) done (laughs) that's how i feel about flammable hair care products they're like we don't know if this hair care products is flammable i'm like but if i'm that close to a fire this hair is gone anyway that's true hair doesn't burn slowly (laughs) (laughs) y'all so okay well i'm gonna ask weird more weird questions okay yeah sheets on the bed what kind of like what color take us there what color is Mm. the blanket I don't know what color my my sheets are right now, but I do like, you know, like a flannel sheet Mm. in the winter. It's nice and soft and warm. Actually, for my birthday last year, my mom just bought me sheets and towels. (laughs) Yes. Hashtag over 30 gifts. Yeah. She asked my husband what I wanted for my birthday. And he was like, actually, you know what would make her really happy? sheets and towels and yes it did make me happy (laughs) that is amazing i don't know that might be the best happy place we have ever had and you're the winner because everyone knows that feeling of having to get out of the covers and the coldness oh yeah i'm just saying let's just savor it while we can Mm. because the summer's about to happen and it gets so hot in my house and I hate when it's like so hot that you can't oh. sleep with a blanket at all because that that's not comfortable. I need a blanket. I need like yes. that weight on me. Exactly. I am the same way, um, except for this whole summer thing you keep talking about. Summer's never Yeah, I mean, you're about to experience it this year, so get ready. Oh, girl, I need to get in summer shape because I am woefully unprepared I have been in this country for over five years and girls not ready, but I have been living like it does get hot, maybe two, three weeks here and there is no air conditioning anywhere, honey. So yeah, girl, the the stink is real. The flies are real. No one's prepared that first day. Everyone gets sunburned. It's yeah. So I feel like, you know, I'm okay. I can maybe get back into the saddle. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see indeed. But yeah. All right. Well, we gave you lots of suggestions for what to do (laughs) with your time. So check out some of the books, the movies, the podcasts that we recommended. You have lots of happy places to fall back on this week. We'll be back in two weeks with a full episode Mm -hmm. next week with a mini-sode. In the meantime, let us know your thoughts, your feelings, all the things. You can send us an email, biracialunicorns at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on social media. We're on Instagram and Facebook at biracialunicorns. We are on Twitter at biracialmagic. We want to give a huge shout out to Joseph Scott for making our beautiful intro outro music. Our awesome cover art made by Dolly Pop Art. Please follow them both and also give a shout out to So Smith Photography who's also done some great photos for us. And also uh, Davy Dix, if he wants to hang out anytime. That's cool. Um, like, David, we can do whatever. Yeah, 
totally. Like just whatever you want. Yeah, cool. Braid hair. I'm down. <laughs> yeah, I'll braid your hair I anytime. Will braid your freaking hair anytime. <laughs> please, no. please just let me braid your hair. <laughs> this is not weird at all. Don't make it a weird thing. I want to discuss <laughs> racial policies. I mean, you can also come on the podcast. Yeah. You are a beautiful biracial unicorn, yeah. and we love you. Yes. So, but yeah, that hair. <laughs> Did you see he he posted a picture of him and his parents and it's so sweet. Oh, I mean, I I that that's assuming that I don't thoroughly stalk him on the social medias. No, it's it's super sweet and, and it's, uh, his little tiny white mom with her hat <laughs> that says "Dump Trump." It's beautiful. <laughs> but uh, anytime, we're, if we want to, we want to talk about all all things racial and hair. Anytime, boo. <laughs> we haven't forgot about you, Trevor Noah, either. We're just all the <laughs> yeah. unicorn energy all of here, them. and yeah, though we should. And now that's a good high note to end on. Yeah, we got we got to go. So we, it's gonna get <laughs> it's, it's gonna, gonna get, weird. get weirder. We need to end it now. Married, it's weird. <laughs> all right, friends. We'll be back next week. Peace out.